Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 7, season 23. Season 23, Ryan Champion, do you realise how many hours that people could spend listening to your dulcet tones? Probably too many, but it's probably not worth thinking about in fairness because then we'll never attract any new listeners. So um, anyway, thanks to those who are listening. Hello, and uh, we're going to have a good episode. I think so. I think so. We've got lots coming up. Um, we've got Rich Milner coming up a little bit later on. Um, he got back from sodding uh, yesterday, but uh, we, we, we've done a bit of a pre-record with him. Well, it's all pre-recorded, really. But uh, so Rich is going to be coming up a little bit later on. But we've got a guest host again um, and, and kind of like, I'll be honest with you. Bugs you to tight is the best way of putting it. So not only is he a guest host, but he's also a BRC front runner. And I said I was going to get somebody on from the BRC, so I was killing two birds with one stone. Reese Yates, welcome back to Absolute Rally. Hi guys. It's Do good I... to have, yeah, it's good to have you back, mate. It's good to have you back. You are the yeah, blonde. It's good, it's you, good you are, to be back. It's good you to be back. The, you are the blondest man in BRC. <laughs> the blondest man in BRC. I'll tell you that. I'm gonna I'm gonna that. ask you a question, a personal question. Um, is it, is are, are you a proper blonde? Uh, I'm not a proper blonde now. I'm not. Me, oh. my girlfriend's an hairdresser, so she likes to. She clearly. I was just going to say, so you like to experiment. <laughs> that takes us in a completely different direction, which we won't go in, Reese. Um, Let's not go into that. Today. No, we'll, we'll 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 park that there. Absolutely. Um, before we go any further, Reese, I'm assuming you 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 stayed up to date with what happened on Rally Sardinia last weekend as well. Yes, I did. Followed okay. it on uh, on WRC and on the EWRC as well. So yeah. Good man. Right. As as ever, whenever somebody joins us after the event, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to be a man and be straight and honest, <laughs> right, and say, would you have predicted a Seb Ogier win before the weekend? Um, no, I wouldn't have predicted Seb. I I thought Elvin. I thought Elvin might have um, got the win. Okay. Uh, good on you. Good on you for being being manly, because Ryan Champion. Would never have said that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true, Ryan? No, I think that's harsh. But I would never have predicted a Norge win, and I didn't predict predict you, a Norge win. Didn't. Let's go through. Let's go through. Uh, your... and, and to be fair, Sebastian Auger didn't predict a Norge win either. So, <laughs> <laughs> shall, shall we go through Tony's predictions? Yeah, go on then. Okay, Elvin Evans third, Oitanak second, Sebastian Auger the winner. Just Not saying, bad. just putting it out there. Not uh, bad at all. Ryan but you Champion. are the only person on the planet who predicted Auger. No, no, far from it. You are. Uh, Ryan Champion, Oitanak, <laughs> Danny Sordo, Sebastian Auger. Which was correct at the end of day one. That, that's, <laughs> hey, listen, that doesn't bring home the bacon, Ryan. You should I, know better. I know, I, know, I know I'm saying it now, but and it's a bit late, but my prediction was I thought it was going to be Sordo, Auger, Evans. That's what I thought it was going to be. Okay. All right, okay. Jackie Boy Bengen went Thierry Neville, Sebastian Ogier, Danny Sordo, and Big John Desbra, who, who, who basically has wild predictions, went uh, Cali Rovenpera, Oitanak, Thierry Neville. And, Ryan Champion, the man in the R1 Citroen didn't last more than two days. Bless his little white <sighs> socks. Gosh. No, no, well, it, well, to be fair, mate, we predicted beforehand there's no way an R1 car run at the back of the field was ever, ever going to complete that rally. So um, I feel for him. I really do. I do genuinely feel for him. So there you go. For even bothering to start, that is. Yeah. Yeah, because I've been there, mate. I've been there. So I, I know what it's like to be at the back. Again, insert your own jokes there. Um, so um, 
Sebastian Ogier, Ryan champion, and in all seriousness, I genuinely thought he would win. And of course, I, I, I did correctly predict it, all joking aside. Um, is he, is he getting, I'm, I'm kind of confused by, by this. Is he getting better or is it the fact that he is on the wind down? Is he not caring as much, which means he's actually getting better, if that makes sense? I think he, he's just doing what he does best. And, and he, he, when he's fastest, he takes the wins from the front. When he's not fastest, he, he picks up places as and when he can. And, you know, let's face it, uh, Hyundai scored an own goal again it, for the second rally in a row. It should have been their victory. Should have probably even been a one-two at the very least from from Hyundai, and and yet again for various reasons it didn't happen. And Ogier is just brilliant at doing the maximum with what he's got. And if that's setting, you know, consistent times, but he's only maybe lying fourth, then he can move up to third, and then second, and and then win a rally when it comes his way, then he'll take it. And that's how he's won, you know, multiple world championships. And and as we said last week, he's, he has won this rally from the front, doing something similar, just keeping out of trouble. And I mean, his his day one performance was was incredible um, to stay in touch and. Um, you know, and actually, we just mentioned Elvin. Elvin obviously struggled a little bit for confidence on day one. Maybe surprisingly, when he just won in in Portugal, but he, he struggled for confidence. Um, Auger was, as we know, first on the road, and yet he, he managed to set great times, stay in touch, and when Hyundai self destructed, there he was to take the win yet again. It's interesting you say that, and another reason why I wanted to get Reese on as well, of course, because Reese has done. WRC2, WRC3, we just call it R5, Reese, to be honest with you, because we're lazy yeah. and we're old. And we're, <laughs> and we're old. But uh, there was four WRC cars that finished the event overall, obviously, it's, it's outside of Super Rally and stuff like that. More of a question for you in the sense of, do you think that, you know, the WRC2 slash 3 battle was, was intense? Obviously, there's people who went out on that. But do you think the boys in those cars are perhaps driving the conditions more than the guys in the big well, rally cars because obviously they're braking a lot more these days. Yeah, yeah. I do think like, yeah, I think the R5 class, it was, especially Sardinia, I think the mindset going into there is what I've never done Sardinia, but Portugal's rough and I think it is survive, isn't it? You know, I saw a few posts about we're going to survive this day, survive the next day. I think the guys, the WRC boys are pushing a little bit more and feel like they can break, you know, well, the cars do take a lot more, but it was... Um, yeah, I think four WRC cars, fifth was uh, Huttingham, wasn't it, in the yeah. R5 car. Um, and I think they are driving through different, aren't they? They're surviving through, and I think that's why they well, that's why they got to the finish. Um, I mean, just to touch on why it's on my uh, top of my mind is, did you see Osberg's breakdown? Did you speak about that? <laughs> we wow. haven't got, we haven't got there that? yet, mate. We haven't got there. Right, I've sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, let's, if we if we got to that, I'd like to that is uh, that is some breakdown to be fair. Um, but the um, and then back to the OJ Ryan. You know OJ seems to he always he's always there. He doesn't. You know I always think there's an element of luck in rallying. There's an element of luck. You know for Mao Adrian for Mao in the Fiesta, he turned in. The rock was on the inside there. I don't know if it was there on the recce. He made out it wasn't there on the recce. A bit of luck that like it just bounced out. You know Katsuta it that massive rock as well that bounced out. But OJ always seems to just stay out of trouble, make his own luck. He's always there or thereabouts and just picking up the pieces. I just, yeah, I don't know how the guy does it, but, um, yeah, it's um, it's impressive. Yeah, I, I think, like you said, of course there's an element of luck in rallying. I mean, what yeah. we saw with, with Oitanak, I mean, um, 
uh, firstly, it was bad luck that that rock was on the line. Uh, secondly, it was bad luck that it broke the suspension. It maybe shouldn't have done a different debate, but but it was bad luck again. Um, but like you said, Auger just, um, you know, somebody once said to me, you can't make your own luck, but you make your own odds. And, and that's exactly what he does. He just stacks yeah. the odds in his favour and, and does what he can do. He doesn't do any more. He just does what he can do. And, and he's there to pick up the pieces. And I mean, you know, it's going to take a, it's going to take an impressive run from somebody else to, to beat him to the championship this year now. No, I, yeah, it's, it's great. Sorry, sorry Tony. No, I was just going to say, I, I, I completely know. It's, it's hard. Not to not to agree with both of you, but I think for me, and it's a, I like that line. Then, by the way, right, that you, you can't create your own luck, you can create your own odds. Is that his percentage? I think his risk reward is what ultimately is, is, is his percentage of working out. And I'm, I'm kind of saying the same thing here, but with slightly different language. But his risk reward strategy, I think, is 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 one that perhaps we'll look back on in the future and go. Yeah, that was awesome. That's that. That was the difference because he worked out his risk over reward. And he, if he doesn't need to take that risk, then he, he won't take it. Which is why, you know, okay, he had a couple of offs very early in his career, but you, you, you struggle to think about Sebastian Ogier sticking a car on its roof, for instance. Yeah, yeah. 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 I saw a, I saw a video or a picture of that time he went off on the power stage in the Volkswagen and went off and slid into the Armco, didn't he? And yeah. I thought when I saw that, I thought. You don't see it. You never see it. Do you? you forget. You forget about that. And that was ages ago. That was years and years ago. You can't think of another time that it just well, did something like that. Or I'd forgot about. I genuinely, I'd forgot about that. That's probably one of the most famous ones. But I can remember him being yeah. really fresh faced in the Citroen. Oh, I think it was on GB. Yeah, uh, it was on GB. Yeah, he crashed yeah. like five times or something. Yeah, yeah so it was something like that. He was obviously he was pushing like the limits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, I was hard pushed to think about seeing. Oh, the word OGA upside down on a car, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. and that, no, and 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 that's where, and he is just the master point scorer. You know, everything is about bank, 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 all the time, and it, it's all about getting points. And you know, you, obviously, you're, you you've competed in championships, you both of you guys, and you know what it's all about. You, you know, it's 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 about building up points from a bad situation and ironically you think about probably Sardinia is the one where he was going into and I know you took the mick a little bit at the, at the beginning right even Sebastian Ogier didn't predict he was going to win it but his his strategy to do what he does was to bank as many points as what he could do and it was almost like everybody else Brought brought some additional points. He kind of probably yeah. in his, in his yeah. own head probably went. Do you know what? I take a third here, and he played. Yeah. He played that. He played the card. I've got a third. I can get third. There's a good bank of points there. And then all the other situations that happened around him actually promoted him and gave him more points. That's exactly it. He just does, as I said, does what the best that he can do. And and if other people make mistakes, then uh, then he just. He's ready to capitalise. What's your, what's your, um, right, just before we go on, right, I, I just want to get your take quickly before we move away from it. Four WRC cars finish, um, you know, for various reasons, mechanicals, the, 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 you mentioned high end eye, obviously we know M Sports had a couple of issues as well. Um, I just, you, you know where we're going to go next. Obviously, you know, Safari's coming up as the, as the first big long call of the year. Um, and knowing full well, it's not a Safari ride that you know. As an example, it's not a safari that we know from from years gone by. 
But alarm, should alarm bells be ringing across the board for all the teams right now? I think uh, we'll we'll see, and, and I think um, without speaking out of turn, let's try and reach out to uh, somebody from uh, from Kenya next week. We'll get somebody on and tell us about the actual stages that have been used on on uh, on this year's event to, to give us a really good insight. I mean, I think from what I understand, the organisers have you know have tried hard to to pick good sections of, of roads in Kenya because obviously they are taking a, a traditional gravel car, whereas in, in the past they went with a, you know, bulletproof African special. So they're very different cars. Um, <laughs> but I think some of them might have to ha- think, just think sensibly about their approach. I mean, like you said, only four WRC cars get into the end of, of Sardinia, but it is incredibly tough and it's, it's corner, 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 corner. And I think, you know, I think uh, Kenya will certainly be faster. But same, um, que- same questions to you before you move away from that. Uh, I, I, I made some notes on my phone as I was watching um, the coverage over the weekend. And, and it seems very obvious and it's almost like a, a, a stupid question. But bear in mind with what's coming up with Safari. But are these, you know, 2017 WR, WRC1 cars, are they not as strong as what the drivers think they are? Um, well, the Toyotas are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because they they uh, they seem to take other than water splashes. So if if there is any water in Africa, they might have to uh, they might have to think about that one. But um, yeah, we've seen it on the Hyundai for a long time, though, haven't we? I even remember on some tarmac rallies. Was it Germany or somewhere like that that Neville um, broke a back arm just like on a cut? I seem to remember. So you know, this isn't new for Hyundai. They they have had suspension issues. I think it's just suspension links and. I guess, you know, everybody tries to make the car as fast as they can and they try to make it as light as they can. Um, M-Sport, yeah, I've had, had a little bit of um, unusual uh, unreliability creeping in, but but it is Hyundai that just seem to have these suspension issues. So, uh, yeah, if there's any rally that uh, you'd be slightly concerned about that, it, it, it might be going to Kenya. But, uh, but they all seem quite to have an understanding of it you know like uh, even Tanak who must be frustrated about it wasn't jumping up and down so there must be a solution there because otherwise they, they, he would have been a bit more worried than he was I think but it's an element as well when you've signed a deal for next year you've kind of got to believe uh, I, yeah well I did wonder that I did wonder if he was thinking did, did I really want to well, do I'm that well I'm now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm in now I'm yeah, stuck I'm in now I'm, <laughs> I'm in now what do I do about what, what, what do I do? but just before I come back to you Reece, right same point I've just made to Reese, really. The guys in the R5 cars, um, you know, which was some great battles across the board all, all, all the way, all the way through. Um, are they driving to the conditions more than what the guys in the big cars, if you like, are? Is that why we've seen, you know, R5 cars in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth? Nine, you know, you, you know what I mean. You can see the point I'm going to here. Yeah, certainly, certainly to a degree. I mean, a, a WRC car is is what it is. It's it's the best rally car in the world, and within reason it's expected to take whatever you throw at it and as we know the the pace at the top level now is so hot that they you know they're fighting for tenths of a second they're not giving anything away it doesn't matter if it's a rough section it doesn't matter um you know if there's a rough water splash as we saw they they just don't want to give any time away uh, whereas inherently um a wrc2 car wrc3 car uh, you know they they aren't 
built as strong. They're not built to anything like the same budget. You know, it's, a, it's probably a quarter of the the price of the WRC cars. So, so they will break more easily. And you know, maybe we saw Mads with other than we'll talk about his tire issues in a minute. But we saw him with brake issues as well and brake pipes. And I dare say he was pushing a bit harder than everybody else because he was trying to make back that uh, that time he dropped. So, you know, and he was, you know, he was setting the fastest times. As simple as that. And uh, uh, I think. You're right that uh, to get, and as Reese just alluded to, you, if you drive a WRC2 car absolutely flat out on a rough rally every corner, then you, then you are risk breaking it, whereas the WRC teams expect their drivers to do that, and the cars, in theory, should be built to do that. Yeah. All right. Let's, that, 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 let's do the elephants in the room. Um, let's, let's do what Mads wants us to do. There you go. Mads wants us to talk about this. Mads wants wanted the attention. I'm sorry. I think I think there was an element of he was massively frustrated, but equally he knew it was going to create a story as well. Reese, you're having that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I mean, he wants a new steering wheel on it. Definitely. <laughs> and, and what? And, and I thought it was brilliant that the co-driver got involved as well. Yeah. That what really tickled me. Do you see the co-driver? Yeah, so yeah, I'm going to gonna throw yeah. something as well. About three something. seconds later, yeah, yeah. Delayed reaction. Imagine having a breakdown. I'm having a go. I'm having a go. I'm going to look frustrated as well. And that's why I think it kind of. Yeah, and then I mean the fine he got handed as well, didn't it? I thought that was a little bit harsh. Um, but any excuse to get a fine in there. But the. Um, yeah, I think his his breakdown was a bit to the camera a little bit. I get his frustration. You know, he's worked hard to get back up to that point. But I guess things happen. He's been in rallying long enough. I just couldn't believe, you know, that 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 is a proper, proper toys out of the pram, like mental breakdown as such. Not a mental breakdown, but, you know, we're a two-year-old child of the day, and that reminded me a bit like Osao Osprey went off. So, yeah, I get his frustration in the heat of the moment, but I think he did play up a little bit to that. But, yeah, the... the Torskin Ericsson or his name um, the co-driver that did make me chuckle as well I thought it was it was great great TV <laughs> uh, well and I, do you know what and I, I don't I'm not doing this as a disservice to Mads in the sense of but he's, he's as you say he's been around a long time he knows the cameras are on he knows it's going to create a talking point um, and it was a way of drawing attention to to a situation whether it was a negative situation uh, and well, it was a negative situation for obvious reasons, but to draw a positive from it rather than just getting to the stadium, I've got a puncture and drives off. No, but we wouldn't be talking about it. So, you know, I, I don't know, right? You, you've been around uh, this, yeah. I, I mean, I have to say, I, I agree with Reese. I mean, yes, okay, there, there's been there's been tyre problems, and we know there has, and Danny Sordo again was very upset about the tyres, but uh, we've all had punctures without hitting anything, we've all had punctures where you know we're really on any tyre any given make of tyre you go like what how did I get that puncture it, it just happens you know it happens on smooth rallies let alone rough rallies so to react like that for me was a little bit uh, a little bit unnecessary and um, especially I tell you what the light in the shade was the guy in the Skoda Fabio who rolled on that corner it was really that, that corner on the final day which everybody had seemed to have a moment on I think Gus had a moment on it um, who else had a go I think I think even Thierry Vell had a, corner, uh, a moment on it it was this tree on the outside of a corner uh, like a square left and they just weren't quite getting the turner on it and the guy who rolled in the Skoda uh, I think he's from Bolivia he was at Balassia, isn't he? Yeah. Marco Balassia. yeah and he, he rolled 
back straight back onto his wheels and carried on. I think he dropped got a couple of seconds, if that. Uh, and his stage M was just so chill, considering it being on its roof. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> yeah, we went on yeah, off. Yeah, I had and, a small roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you went uh, off and rolled off into the off the corner, and he gets to the end. I saw that, Tony. Yeah, so, uh, God, I he's very, very calm with that. Like, he made out like he just ran wide on a corner. Yeah, like, you've been upside down and drove away. Yeah. Mega, mega, that 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 that, <laughs> that thing though to just click first and just hit the accelerator as soon as it lands on its four wheels. I think the best one, the best one I've ever seen of that was Molly Taylor a few years back on Rally GB. Do you remember? I don't know whether you remember that one. Seth Marshall was sat with her. She was in the DS3. It was proper. She, uh, I, I, I was, I was doing the rally as well. It was like a hairpin left, and I think she cut it and rolled. So it rolled over the hairpin, if you like, and then landed on its wheels and just carried on. It was mega. Anyway. There you go. We digress. <laughs> we no we digress. Call. Yeah, very little time loss. Um, so we're going to do a little bit more on sodding you with Rich Milner uh, a little bit later on. But as I say, we've got Reese. Uh, I did mention we were going to get somebody on from BRC last week. Uh, thanks for the nice messages, by the way. Uh, with regards to what I said, um, I was just very honest about my experiences um, of, of doing those types of events. And, um, you know, as, as I say, I, I still kind of stand by them. Um, but, you know, um, it was the opening round of the British Rally Championship. Obviously, Reese, you, you've been doing the BRC. You've committed fantastically to BRC this year. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, you're kind of going at it hammer and tongs, so to speak, obviously, with, with support from M Sport as well in, in the new shape. But we call it the Mark II, uh, the Mark II yeah. R5. Um, and I, I just I was just interested to get your take on... You know, for me, it was never a BRC round in a million years. I understand that they wanted to get an event up and running and everything else. Um, but, you know, when you guys are fighting for 10th seed and then obviously, you know, you missed out on the win by a second. Um, I just wanted, I, I just wanted to get your take on it, I suppose, from from somebody really, really at the sharp end. Yeah, as you say, when I, you know when I lost out on a second, it still hurts me inside. To be fair, like it was, <laughs> it was a, it was just a second, um, but the whole second there was no tenth on there. So, yeah, I just, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I want to, I you know, I spoke to you before, Tony, didn't we? You know, we were having a push bike around the track, around yeah. the track as you call it, um, and it is a track. You know, it's not, it is a stage ish conditions but by the time you've gone round you call it a track don't you because you do that many laps around it um, and I don't get me wrong I think them events and type of events are really good fun you know like prime prime example is my brother went you know I know you spoke briefly about my brother he went and it's perfect for him absolutely perfect you know you bust around the same track and you don't really need pace notes and you need split splits and stuff but yeah I mean when I spoke to you before it you know, watch, you know, I'll drive around thinking this looks fun, this looks fun. I said to you, Tony, you know, and Tony, you said to me about some bits and bobs. And uh, at the time, I didn't really agree with what you said. Not that I completely disagree, but I thought, well, we're up and going. We're at first round British Championship. Sun's out. Like, this will be good. Um, but, you know, by the end of the day, like, like I said, I didn't sleep very well for. The only thing that helped me sleep at night was that I felt like I did everything I could in my everything my power I could do to win the event. That's what I felt. And things were out of my hands to, to win it. Um, so is that, I suppose, yeah. I suppose just sorry to jump in, but for our listeners, and obviously we have people who compete and we also have people who don't compete. You did everything. I suppose the best 
I'm, I'm, by all means, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just trying to make it in, in layman's terms as well. If you'd done everything you'd done to win an event in a normal, in inverted commas, stage rally conditions, invariably, you would probably would have won a rally. If that was a, you yeah. know, a conventional rally, whereas in this instance, there's so many other factors that come into play, which, which uh, it doesn't come down to your ability or the car's ability. It's, it, I'm guessing it's, it's people on the track. It's chicanes being a completely different angle by the time you get to them and things like that. I'm guessing if I'm putting yeah. words in your mouth, put me straight, mate, by all means. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I think like, and I'm, I'm conscious, I don't want to sound like Mass Osberg, but just voicing it rather than acting it out, like throwing my toys out of the pram. I'm not at all. You know, I think, like I say, the championship itself and the guys there and stuff for that sort of event is great. But for me, and James, use James as a prime example, my brother, you know, like, and he doesn't mind saying this, there's no way on earth he should be taking a stage win off the experience in that class. There's just not a chance. So there's, so there's some variables there. There is some variables. I know I sound a bit of an idiot saying that, but it's the truth. You know, James, I was driving through that red, um, I felt like I was right on the limit, you know, through the stage. And James has done 20Ks, 30Ks in a car, and he takes an outright stage win. And he says, he speaks to me about this one chicane and anyone else who was doing it, and I'm not taking it off anyone, but anyone else who was competing, they don't really know. So me and James are very, very much, we're in that same, we're talking about the same stages. We're talking about the previous stage coming up. And he says to me, just using one, one chicane on pit lane, I'm down in second gear. It went flat out in fifth gear straight through it. Like the time difference there. Yeah, massive. Now, how often is that happening all the way around the stage? And James is really the only one who's saying it, and he don't mind saying it. He's going to say it to me, you know, because he knows himself. He's a good driver. He's a really good driver, and he did really well, really well. But I just don't feel like he should be taking stage wins off me. He just should be going through the stage quicker. So we're stuck Uh, getting knocked out of the way and then just not getting replaced or just not getting put back in the same place? Yeah, and I think there were three three things like... Um, three things I think the first thing was is the chicanes it was too tight so if you're going to make them chicanes that tight they have to be heavy stuff like brick walls or really concrete stuff where you're going to hit it and you're going to do some damage like you can't be slower to do so the guys around the track were driving around the track in the vans because they couldn't get through them Tony knows how tight it was yeah. they were very tight very tight but on Sunday it was on Sunday, it was, you're going to get a 10-second penalty. You'll get a 10-second penalty if you get any chicanes. So what happens in the morning is, is stage one, people go out, might nudge a chicane. Oh, I didn't get anything. Stage two, nudge another. Stage three. Stage six, it's a free-for-all. The guys, the marshals out there busting 30-second intervals, they're never going to risk life and limb to get back out there to put the chicanes back. They're going to stay where they are. So yeah, yeah. every car that went through... That, and I feel that this, like I did Snetterton a few weeks before. Now, them chicanes there was tire walls. And if you hit them, it slowed you down. They were third gear chicanes. So if you hit them, you went slower anyway. Like you didn't lose, you lost time. So you wanted to stay neat and it was very hard. These ones, I felt they were way too high for the little bit of water in the bottom of them. And it was just, yeah, that, that was that one, that one on the start finish. I had exactly the same instance where I came to it, and it's a chicane, and you start you start slowing down, thinking because you got it in your head, it's a second, third gear chicane, and then yeah. you get there, and there's nothing there. You go, I've just lifted, and 
yeah, I could have went flat out through that. So I know the exact, I can picture it in my head because it's where, yeah, yeah. that's where I went wrong, ironically, with the split because when I came to it, it just, there was just blue barrels everywhere. And I'm, yeah, yeah, it just didn't make sense. Yeah, you get just, confused. Yeah. You don't know where you're going and all sorts, don't and you? And, I just, and that's kind of what I was alluding to last week where I went, do you know what? Maybe if I did more of it, I'd be used to it. But I just didn't feel used to it at all. I just felt so like a fish out of water. And I'm yeah. not comparing you and I because we're doing very complete we've done very completely different things, but ultimately I've done a lot of rallying and yeah. you, you kind of have a, a thing in your head, but you know, my, on, on, on me and, you know, I suppose the same for you because you've done some of these events. I kind of kicked myself a little bit afterwards because I kind of went, you know what you were getting into really deep down. If you would have took a step back and this is me personally, you know what you were getting into. You knew it was going to be like that, but you got lot. And this is me speaking to myself. You've got lost in the moment of driving that R5 car. Yeah, and that's what yeah. I that's what I got wrong. That was my, that was kind of my, my my bad, as it were. But for you but guys, one good thing about you know one good thing about that Tony, the event is I think, and I heard you say that last on the last episode was is that the good thing about them events is, and that's why, and I'm not comparing you to James because you've got way way more experience than him, a lot more experience in rallying and you know and proper stage rallying on gravel and and stuff. But the good thing about an R5 round there, it doesn't take much out there. You don't break that much stuff yeah. and you pretty much gonna get you're gonna get all the way around it. and if you don't know the car that well it's good to kind of have a feel for it and stuff like that so i think it's great for them sort of things but like I say if you've never done one before these barrels and chicanes and splits and cars and it's just a lot in it you know there's a lot kind of yeah. going off to kind of what you're not used to at all it, it, it genuinely, and I said it last week, and Jack kind of went, oh, no, I kind of disagree, but I still stand by what I said. To me, it genuinely feels like a completely different sport. Yeah, and it, it is. It has got a slightly different discipline. It's more circuit stuff. It is more circuit stuff. It's more repetitive things where on a rally, all right, you might go through that corner twice because there's two runs through it, but you're never going to get that same corner again. On them, you're doing the same thing every stage. There's always going to be an element of it. All right, you might be going backwards through it, but you can have probably three laps through at that stage, and then you might have two more stages the same. So you, it is circuit stuff, and that's why I think circuit guys do well at them events because it's circuit. It is not circuit racing because there's an element of gravel and different stuff, but you know it is a mixture of all different things. I was trying to explain the guy at work about the difference between a single venue event and a stage rally event and a circuit event and it's and a rally cross event. Yeah. You know, it's kinda of a combination of all them things. You're in a rally car but it's got a bit of rally crossing. It's got a bit of circuit stuff in it, but it's a rally. Yeah. Um so yeah, I just yeah, I don't I like to say I keep saying it because I love them events and they run really well. Everything about it, it's easier to cover, you know, the coverage is great and stuff like that. Um but it just felt like, you know, with it being a British championship, there's just a lot on the line there. You know, there is a lot of things on the line and a lot of people put a lot of effort into it. Not just myself. I speak for probably a few others as well. And I'm not taking anything off anyone who did well there because you still got to drive the car. But the elements was different, different things. You know, the, they weren't a tenth of a second, um, which, which is... I mean, I didn't know that, and I thought I was following actually on EWRC, and this is what made me think. I went to stage four. I was on EWRC. I'd look at stages, and I was three seconds in front of Matt, but on the results, I was the same time as him. So I'm thinking, well, the tenths, what, where are we at with it? I didn't even realize we weren't doing like tenths of a second until we – I just thought the results just showed that. They were right. doing tenths. 
Um, did you not think it was funny we didn't do tens for a second? Wait, do you know what? Because I didn't really look at my time, I didn't even know that. Didn't it re- see, didn't, like, didn't we register. didn't do tens for a second, yeah. So I didn't really, it didn't register to me, I didn't really think. And then when EWRC, I don't know where they got them results from or what they was, but there was no tens for a second. So as we all know, like, I could get a 14.9 and someone could get uh, 14.1 and someone could get a 14.9, you know, this or a 14 dead. There's like tenth of a second there. You could get seven seconds in just point of a second. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I just, yeah, I just, like I said, I did, it felt, <laughs> it, I was gutted, absolutely gutted. I can, on listen, I can, I, I, I can understand, I don't know. Right, it, it, it was it was never like that even when we did Formula Rally, was it? Formula Rally was still to tense, wasn't it, back in those days? Oh, God, don't ask me that. <laughs> I remember exactly the same thing with the cones on the on, 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 the your, local, of, yeah. on your local event, yeah, the, the Rally of a Thousand Cones on the Wirral. Yeah. Um, I remember exactly the same with chicanes, like you come one time, they were really tight, and the next minute they'd be uh, completely wiped out, and, and that's the nature of single venue rallying, unfortunately, and Reese just made a great point, you know, which marshal is going to go and stand and back up if he's got 30 seconds and we're lapping, it might even not be 30 seconds, so yeah. Yeah. It, it's so difficult to do, but I think you, you're quite right, if you're going to run an event of that stature and let's face it even even the uh in motorsport news championship you know there's a lot of good cars and good drivers in that now it should be to the tenth of a second it, it, it it's too close too short a stage it's just to be to a whole second you know the timing systems are there nowadays so it's it's a good point on the timing as well i think so i think so um uh, just very quickly before we before we wrap up, Reese. Uh, obviously, you must be really relieved and, and and happy the fact that now looks like Nicky Grist, which is the, the next next round of the British Rally Championship, is is confirmed and we can go rallying again properly in inverted commas. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. We are on the Greystoke M Sport stages as well. The weekend before, the weekend before. Yeah. yeah. So we're out there Saturday, Sunday, and then to the Nicky Grist as well. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to to getting out, and it's great news that. Proper match fit. Run, so. Proper match fit. Yeah, I'll be match fit. Yeah, yeah, I'll be match fit, ready, ready to go. Top With man. a bit of vent up, vent up, up energy. So, uh, yeah, uh, or frustration, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah. yeah, just do a bit more experimenting, like we spoke about at the top of the podcast, and you'll be fine. Right. On that note, <laughs> Reese, mate, thank you so much for joining us. Not only as our guest host, but obviously as a little bit of a look back on uh, Alton Park. Ryan, I know you've got a you're you're going off to do a, a secret project somewhere in Wales now. So you're you're you're, you're convenient. Are you going to Wales? Is it Wales you're going to? I'm actually going to the very spot where I met Reese like eight years ago, whenever it was. Yeah, I'll just off to Sweden. Oh, no, to Sweden. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you right. go. And on that Lots note, dust. yeah, I was just going to say. Hopefully, Jonathan will have put a bit of water down, but I can't see that somehow. Um, <laughs> on that note, uh, we're going to go to a break, and then I'm going to come back with Rich Milner, of course, from M-Sport. This is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. Uh, thanks to, 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 to Ryan and also obviously to Reese as well. There's too many R's in that. It's a good job it wasn't Jonathan Ross, isn't it? And speaking of, I actually have now got another R, Rich Milner. Welcome back to Absolute Rally. I was going to, I was going to suggest that, but you, you came up with it very quickly. That's <laughs> why you're po- in charge. It's the podcast of R's. Um, 
First, yeah. first and foremost, how's your sleep, Rich? Uh, limited. Yes. I, I think the years of training or rallying have, have done me well, but they're not even preparing me for the reality of where we're at at the moment. Late night service. Late night service. <laughs> yeah, it's quite impressive. Um, and, uh, yeah, the servicing late at night can be quite interesting. There's a lot of rain comes down, if you, if you know what I mean, sometimes. I got rained on last night. Oh, nice. Nice. I can remember. I can remember doing a late night service on 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 on, on Johnny. It sounds really wrong. Our, our little boy. We're talking about Richie's and you, Dad, and I'm 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 toddler dad level now, and uh, doing a late night one around the period where you are, Rich, and that half sleep one where Johnny had actually decided that it was a poo time, and um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I know uh, it well. You never quite get it from underneath your nails either. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah. You know, I, I've taken a few photos for the 18th already. Put good, it that way. good, good for you. Good for you. It's important to do that. It's important to do that. So, uh, as I say, my congratulations. But you, you are back in. You're, you're back to work. You're back in real world. You're back from Sardinia, um, which. Uh, do you know I'm I'm I, I'm going to ask you a really general question because we've talked about Sardinia a little bit at the top of the pod and um, with four four world cars completing the event without kind of super rally and i mean this across all, all the manufacturers are we thinking rally one cars are actually stronger than what they really are or is this just a cruel twist of fate that's hit all the manufacturers on these rough rallies i think every now and again you get one of those rallies where where you lose a lot of people um you know i think uh, if you look through the retirements the only one I would class is maybe a reliability kind of, or the two the reliability concerns would be Oit and Cali. Um, you know, Danny very rarely makes a mistake um, and did on this occasion. Uh, Timu was a mistake from the driver. Um, Lupe had the issue through the water splash, which it could be put down to the driver mistake in the way that he entered that water splash. Um, and, and I obviously did damage the engine on it, uh, hence his retirement. Um, so I think, you know, the, annual, the major reliability one for me was, was Oitz. Uh, he was a long way in the lead, 40-odd seconds. Um, you know, to, to gain 40 seconds over some of those other P1 drivers, you have to push very hard. And um, Sardinia is quite rough as it is. So it was always going to be a test for the machine. Um, and it, and it, unfortunately, it, it did have a problem. But I think, you know, if you look at, you've got to look at how hard these drivers are driving these cars and on the type of stages, you know, I think reliability is always difficult because the drivers will go as fast as the car will go and it is physically impossible to build a car that's invincible against these things. So I think it's one of those rallies where it's just, you know, every now and again we'll have one where we get a lot of retirements. Um, and like I say, they weren't all reliability. And if some of the other drivers hadn't have made driving-related mistakes, you'd have found that there would have been more than, the, the, you know, the four WRC cars at the end. Do you know what? I suppose yeah. When you, when you put it like that, it's really really valid because obviously the obvious thing is you know which, which we, we we kind of talked about at the top because you know our own Ryan Champion obviously he's got a little bit of experience over in Africa of course next next one out is Safari and you kind of go well. But I've got a funny feeling in a strange kind of way and I could be well off here and I haven't spoke to um, Jeff Mayers who, who's, who's involved in the event over there. I, I used to speak to him quite a bit and we, we, we probably should catch up again soon, Jeff, if you're listening. But I've got a funny feeling because it's in private estates, 
could, could that, dare I say, could the stages actually be smoother or even in better condition than what we've seen in Southern Union? I've had the exact conversation with a few people. Um, you know, I think the rally is going to be very different to the previous safaris. I never went to the previous safaris, so, and I've, I've not been yet, so I can't, I can't guarantee what I'm going to say is, is correct. But from the recce videos I've seen, yes, there is a chance that it isn't going to be as crazy as before. And the distances are not as crazy. You know, the stage kilometers are, are standard kind of WRC stages, and it's a three-day it's a three day kind of Cloverleaf-style event, which is what we're used to now and what WRC has to have with the setups we have. So, uh, you know, there's no additional uh, allowance for bull bars or snorkels or things like that. So we're still going to have the challenges of Safari. Still going to be a fantastic event. Great scenery, the animals, all that kind of thing will go with it. There will be retirements from reliability, I'm sure, because it's new stages. Um, and I've seen on the Equator Rally, which was like the warm-up rally for that event, you know, they had heavy rain, which caused absolute chaos. So there's a good chance that that, that could play as well. Um, and, yeah, it, it's a bit of a lottery. I think it would be a driver's event, a clever driver's event to, to approach cautiously. But the problem is if one driver takes the risks and goes flat out and gets a big lead and you haven't bothered, then you're out of the race from the beginning. So it's hard to find that balance in between of whether you want to try and be clever and get to the finish regardless and maybe come in the top three, four, five, or if you're going to push from the word go and try and get that victory. And I think that depends on your place in the championship, your goals for the season, and, and the manufacturer's goals for the season. It's just, just backtracking ever so slightly. Is that what we've seen on uh, on Sardinia with Sebastian Auger? Do you think that's exactly what happened? Because we, we debated this a little bit at the top. Um, he did his own rally, played the percentages, was, was adamant he's probably... Uh, probably had a target, maybe top three or whatever, but everybody else kind of sorted themselves out and almost kind of promoted them by default. I mean, I think Seb did an absolutely incredible job on that rally to, to once again. I keep telling him after the rally, he's not doing himself any favours with his arguments <laughs> of running later on the running first on the road on these tricky events because he keeps winning them all. Um, but what he did on the Friday is mega. You know, he, I think he definitely approaches and drives slightly different when you watch him now compared to when he was in VW days for example his, his aggression and behind the wheel inside the car and how he's approaching the stages he can, you can tell he is pushing as hard as he can go but he's he's so clever and he's so precise he's driving he doesn't make mistakes and he when he was with us he was always the one that would wear the tyres the least do the least amount of damage to the car you know he's a very sympathetic driver on the car and I think that approach helps a lot you know um, I'm not saying or he is a rough driver but um, you know there's each driver slightly different in the way that they they approach and drive that car and Seb has always been one that's really good at looking after everything and I think that does help on the when you play the percentage game over the course of the season if you can look after your car but still push hard as the others you're going to be in a very good place and that's exactly what Seb did okay he knew he was too far away from Hoyt at the time and he was kind of gifted the the, the position up upgrade when when I had his problem but it's him being in that position and pushing and pushing and pushing that gives him the opportunity to get to get into these first place and once he was in the lead he never gave it up absolutely absolutely it's I I still don't see how he how he how he walks away at the end of the year I'm still I'm still not seeing it you you know normally in sports I've said this to Malcolm yesterday you know he, every world championship he gains, he's getting one closer to being Seb's record. Um, and I, if I was, if I was in his position, you know, would I? Would you better walk away from being 
being a goat, as they say these days, I don't know. You know, it's, uh, it would be a hell of a record to beat, and there's nobody for the next. Well, if he if he beat him, became ten times world champion. You got to do eleven years before someone can beat that. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, if you become the best of all time, you've pretty much cemented that in place for a very, very long time, and that that's got to be interesting for him. And you know, there's stories out there that are, I've read about him only wanting to do a part season. But you know, let's say he does his part season in the first two or three events, and he he wins and is leading the championship. Would he stop? I'm not sure. I hope not because I like him and I think he's great and he's, he's great for the sport and you know what he can do is fantastic he's like Lewis Hamilton you know not everyone's his fan but in terms of driving he is just incredible and that's great it's incredible to watch what he can do over a course of the weekend I see I, I do you know what I think I think there's very few people now who are, who are not as fan and I think what changed that was the year with you guys and we talked about it so much on this pod to be honest with you there was something, whether it was the fact he'd left, you know, the spiritual home back in the day of Citroen, and obviously they had that mighty kind of Volkswagen, the German kind of, and then he came to, and I say this with the greatest respect, of course, you know, I was going to say with love, with little old M Sport, so to speak, where everybody goes through, and, and you know, you, you, you kind of have some humility going through there, you know, I kind of call it, call it the classroom of the WRC, because... It, it, everybody at some point seems to have gone through M Sport, so to speak. And Seb going there, I think so many people warmed to him over the fact that he he made that move. I mean, yeah, it, I think it helped everybody there, and, and obviously the dream story of winning the championships in two years in a row was, you know, it couldn't have gone any better. But uh, in terms of my personal um, experience with him, you know, when you when you get someone like of his level and his stature coming into the team. You hear stories and you you hear him when he's not happy being first on the road and you don't know what it's going to be like. But honestly, he's one of the best drivers I've ever worked with. And, um, you know, he'll yeah, I'll, I'll send him a message every now and again after the rally and things like that. And he still always replies and he's asking about um, my little boy and stuff. And, you know, he's genuinely a nice guy. He's very busy. I don't bother him. But I know that if I wanted to speak to him about something, he would take the time to speak to me. You know, I think he he's just... A true competitor in the in the rallies, and away from away from it, he's a he's just a real nice guy that's just busy. So you can't expect his attention all the time. But you know, he's him and Julian as well. Julian's one of the best co-drivers I've ever worked with. You know, and, and I can genuinely see why they are so successful. Um, so so he is taking your calls. <laughs> It's not about coming. <laughs> it's not about coming to drive with us, no. But he's taking his calls to see how we're doing. No, I mean, look. Drivers are going to be very difficult uh, next year. You know, there's the top the top drivers all have fantastic um, opportunities. The teams they're with, and and uh, they're in a tight battle for the for the championship. And, and persuading one of them to come to us would be, is going to be difficult because you know they're all they all seem very well grounded and and happy within the, the structures they have. Um, but we'll have to see. It's still early in the year uh, for us to make any decisions. But you know, obviously, two of them are gone in in the way of uh, Oit and Thierry. Um, Elvin's not agreed or announced anything. Um, but you know, being in the title fight for one and a half years now with Toyota is is, uh, is going to be difficult. To, I'm sure to find a way to do anything. But you know, we will just speak to as many people as we can and see what the options are. You've got this unique record, which has been spoke about over the years of, of, you know, when new regulations come out, that M-Sport always seems to hit the ground running. Um, I think it's fair to say, I think it's been proven over the years. 
you think that's uh, do you think that's an enticement as well that you know you guys have got this such fantastic record of, of, of kind of getting to grips perhaps with the new regulations a little bit earlier than some of the others um, you know our competition is very strong but I think we are we know that this is the best opportunity for us to strike um, because it's new for everybody uh, and it's so new and the regs are such a big change again that like in 2017 you know we had a perfect opportunity and we took it and 2021, 2022, sorry, we believe we can do the same. Um, and, and, you know, that's that's what we're aiming for. Um, but you've got to remember our car is, now is still competitive compared to the others. You know, you look at Croatia with Adrian, you're setting top two times against the others on a tarmac rally who are all pushing with no real effects of road cleaning. And, and Adrian, who's never done a WRC event, can be second quickest overall. The car isn't bad. You know, I'm sure that... I'm sure that two and a half seconds or half a second he lost out on on a stage win can be found through driving rather than engine or car performance. So, yes, we might not be in some areas as strong as the others, but as a general package, Fiesta is still very strong. So, you know, uh, taking that forward for 2022, yes, we'd love to have a car that's competitive as Fiesta was out of the blocks, which we believe, we we well and truly believe we can achieve. Um, But we also think over the long period of the homologation cycle that we'll still remain competitive um, but there's just going to be a lot of changes coming in with the hybrid, the new chassis and uh, you know, there's going to be a lot for the team to get used to and change as well with all the charging and everything like that so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a challenge but we are we are going well and we're doing the best we can at the moment to make sure we have the best car possible in, in Monte Carlo I'm going to ask you a question which I know you're not going to answer but just 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 for giggles i'm gonna i'm gonna ask anyway uh, but i said something the other week on the pod and it caused a bit of kind of oh that's an interesting thought oh i had that same thought was there's been a lot of speculation of course what the new car is going to be uh whether it's going to be a fiesta whether it's going to be a puma and i kind of went a little bit left field and went well yeah but how cool would a mustang be well that would be cool wouldn't it from a marketing point of view, I can't. I can't say what it. I know be you can't, moment. mate. I know. I'm just being but mischievous. It's a nice question. Yeah, it's a nice question. Thanks, mate. I'll, you know what? We'll just end there. That's nobody's ever said. Yeah, that we may as well. Otherwise, we'll just be waffling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take the credit for just a nice question. But there you go. But there you go. Um, this season, obviously. Um, you know, you, you, you're still working as ever. As I say, the school of M Sport is still working with young drivers and you, you haven't got as i say one of the you, know, you, you just said yourself one of the top three drivers as such but you, your own drivers are developing you've mentioned you've mentioned adrian former which i think is potentially probably the find of the season so far but obviously timu's mixing it you know in and out of an r5 car obviously the top line car gus is going through the same thing there's been some changes for gus as well um from 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 a team principal point of view how do you look on what's what what What's your look on, you know, kind of the first part of the season for you looking back? Um, I mean, I think there's been some some disappointing uh, uh, events and issues, you know, most notably, obviously, Timu on, on Sardinia and Monte Carlo, unfortunately. Um, even Adrian in Sardinia was unfortunate with the, with the Rally 2 car. But on the flip side, you know, I think we've had some really strong results, um, Looking at the last two events with Gus, he's made a big improvement. Uh, real, really, you know, got a lot of the X 
extra info out of his pace notes that weren't needed and Chris has just come in to help him see that and um, you know that's that's resulted in some you know great performance in Portugal um, so I didn't it was another challenge with Chris unfortunately not being able to make it and Stu jumping in for one rally um, but again he did very well and we hope that that can be his kind of launch platform to do the rest of the year in uh, in uh, in the best possible way because I think you know I've seen a lot of the comments that people write about him and to be honest it gets so boring reading them um, and I yep. do think he's driving very well uh, you know I challenge any of them people who, who are on the keyboard warrior section to, to jump in with a car with him and tell me he's no good you know he's, he's fighting for top five stage times in the world overall so you know it, yeah he had some, some ups and downs on his way up but everybody has as well you know you look back on some of the top top drivers there's some, there's some silly mistakes from a lot of people um, and I think he's learning and turning a corner on that so we're really happy with that Adrian is like you say a very good talent that seems to have appeared out of nowhere and is developing incredibly quickly uh, I think it's hard for him because, uh, and I spoke to him about it, you know, the, the better you get in the shorter period of time, the more people expect of you. Um, and as the pressure mounts, it often becomes harder to um, to do the results because you feel like it's harder to do when you're not just relaxed and driving and having fun. It's a lot easier. So, uh, you know, he, I'm sure he will have a lot of ups and downs to come, but he has shown, like I said earlier, with those times in Croatia that he's capable of mixing it with the top guys, and that's really important for us and great to see. So, um, yeah, we're really happy with what we've got. And, you know, I've said to a few people, if nothing changed next year, then we're not exactly going to be too worried. We've still got three good drivers coming through um, that we feel can can still get results. So uh, it's not the end of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, that's why we're changing around and giving people different opportunities in different cars this year just to, to assess the best from all of the drivers we have at the moment and what we can do for 2022. I think you, the other thing as well, you, you, you do, you have hit the nail on the head with regards to just the... the just the ability to be able to drive these cars, um, just even, you know, in all seriousness, joking aside, having moved, having, having been involved, you know, behind the scenes with, with, with various cars and teams and stuff. And of course, I've had the mic taken out to be a little bit about trying an R5 car the other week, but getting a car off the line, <laughs> just getting a yeah. car off launch control as an example. And yeah, you know, uh, you know, to use, you know, I've seen some of the stuff about Gus. I get on really well. I've known Gus for such a long time from when he started as well. So I'm probably a little bit defensive of him from that point of view because he's somebody, I, we, we, you know, we kind of WhatsApp now and again and very similar to what you said about Seb. The first question is he always asks about Johnny. You know, how is your boy? Da, 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 da. And that's kind of how the conversation goes. You know, he, he is such a genuinely nice guy, but he's very private and he's not out there so to speak. And I think, I think sometimes I think that is misconstrued, but uh, as you say, both him, Timu, I get the, 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 the quick to kind of the quick to have a pop, but they'd never be anywhere near that level. And there's always somebody else. Oh, why isn't he in there? Why isn't he? In? But motorsports being like that the world over forever. There's always been, somebody else that can do this or bring this or do that that's that's the world over but for some reason there's this rosy colored spectacle world where people look back on you i wasn't like that 20 years ago you know they didn't bring this or they didn't bring that and absolute nonsense when you scratch beneath the surface everybody's always brought something or done something unless they're ultimately the world champion yeah i mean like the world's moved on and uh as much as i 
appreciate any rally fan they're all as important as each other you know we've got to be honest we've got to go forward um, and the world and the way we do things and the way sports evolved and the way sport in general is now a multi billion pound business in every area that there is and you know yes some people especially in motorsport are able to progress their career quicker if they have backing to do it and that is just the, that is just life you know um and if you actually look at any person within WRC, whether it's backing from family or friends or investors or sponsors, they've all had backing. Backing should just be backing in one it's one word. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It allows you to compete. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's a shame and it's sad that, you know, we we have this world that we live in now where people are more interested in being negative and criticizing than being positive and and uh, looking out for what we're doing. You know, M Sport is trying the best that we can with what we have available to do everything, and I always kind of fight back and answer back, well, the choice is we either don't come, and then you will complain that there's one or less manufacturer and WRC is in a poorer place, or we continue to do the best we can with with results that I feel are very positive for where we are at the moment. So, you know, we're not going to give up on it, and uh, I don't want it to turn into a rant about social media, but it's, you know, there's a lot of pressure from all sides on everything at the moment, and... Um, you know, with COVID and pandemic and all the negative and boring things we have to deal with and sad things we have to deal with at the moment, it's hard It's hard to do. But, um, you know, I am actually really looking forward to 2022 and a number of the drivers we have this year, I'm sure, will be involved with it. And uh, I, I look forward to working with them beyond the end of this year. You've got such a great outlook on, on, on rallying as a whole, not just obviously from your role where you are at M Sport and where you work your way up, but obviously from competing and stuff like that. And something which I, I get asked a lot about, um, because obviously you know from the business side and I go and talk to people about rallying and da, 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 there's always you know well you know I don't remember it or I haven't seen it for a while and stuff like that if I was to give Rich a magic wand with regards to how we get rallying going maybe outside the immediate fan base what would it be? Easy uh, find ways that there is some funding or grants or yeah, pot of money from from uh, from the let's say Motorsport UK. Uh, that's who it would need to come from in order to really get this closed road rallying um, up and going. You know, I think what we can bring to local uh, you know local villages or towns or communities by bringing rallying there is incredible. You know, there's so many stories that go with rallying. You could have people helping to organize and then you, you're getting the community spirit together by getting everyone together to help organize this event you're bringing money into your area and then you can use attractions or cafes or whatever it might be to get people spending money in areas that maybe aren't necessarily have tourism as a natural uh, income stream to that area um, you can get the competitors going to new places you can show about what rallying is and we need we know that we need to be more sustainable more green more carbon neutral as the world and sponsors and investors want that you know we, we have to work on that as a side product but bringing rally to the people we can do regroups in towns we can do uh, start ramps in nice locations shopping malls or whatever we need to take the sport to the people at the moment rallying in forests is fantastic but unless you go in the forest all the time you're not going to come across it and we'll always get those people that go to their day out to go and watch in the forest they'll go wherever but we need to get to the people that don't know what it is um, and the only way to do that is take it to them we have this fantastic opportunity with closed road rallying to do that we have the ability in the law to close the roads and, and really push it but I feel we need some help 
to to help the the motor clubs and the people involved in that to get it forward because it's a huge job. I appreciate. I've looked at it. It's a big job in terms of getting all the, the things in place to get it going. And I think you know, help for the motor clubs to persuade them it's a good idea and get going would be would be a really good way to do it. I, John, I'm going to ask you the question. Obviously, you've travelled around the world now. Is there, is there anywhere where you've gone where it's actually took your breath away in the sense of, wow, these really get it. The fans really get it. Um, you know, where, where is it big? I suppose is, is, is the, the shortest way of asking that question. Where, which country do you go to and go, yeah, this, this is it. They've got it. Estonia, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I went there before, sort of the candidate event before, uh, and it was mega. You know, they had a finish in the middle of the town centre. They got the town on board. Um, okay, it's a small country, small population. Oitanak is one of their biggest fans in the whole place, so he is a superstar. But they had the central historic town of Tartu was all ready for the rally. The finish ramp was like a stage for a rock band, um, and you drove the cars on, and there was a turntable there. The start ceremony was incredible. It was full. You know, you don't necessarily need a big area to be full. I remember seeing some images from, I think it was the Clacton Rally, the first year that ran it, and the high street was full of people. You know, you don't need a big place. You just need people in that area, and I hope in 12 months' time, COVID has done one, and we can actually enjoy ourselves again, but let's see. But, you know... This, this start ceremony they had in, in Tallinn was incredible and uh, what what got me and what I've just said and what made me realise is once the rally cars had gone off to do their thing uh, they'd actually kind of um, incorporated a sports event and they were running triathlons in between the rally being away and the finish ramp of the rally was the finish of the triathlon um, I actually did the triathlon <laughs> in place when I was speaking about it but you know it doesn't have to be a triathlon, but it was like being clever enough to think about two different ways to get people in. If you didn't like rallying, you wouldn't go there. But if you liked triathlon, you might have been there and then seen the rally. And then you're like, what's the rally about? And vice versa. So oh. I think, you know, thinking outside the box a little bit. I mean, I've said to, uh, just had discussions with rally GB organizers before when they did that start in Liverpool. You know, I thought it would have been great if they'd done like a 5K race, free to enter, or run by the by Rally GB for example um, and then you get this whole group of people come from Liverpool town centre to go and do the 5k race but at the same time as a ceremonial start for the rally and if you put that at the same time as the finish of the 5k race you've got all the people hanging around after they've done their run race and they see this start line and think oh watch that as well that only then gives a benefit of having thousands of people knocking around at the same time who aren't necessarily interested in cars but it gives the atmosphere a great place it helps with the investors to see that people are there can help promote that there's a running a healthy thing next to the motorsport you know it's just for me that's it just think outside the box a little bit you know yeah, I, I couldn't agree. I, I, the, the, the start in Liverpool, which obviously it was meant to happen again as well, it was something which I I had long talks about various things with, with, with the council and visit Liverpool and stuff like that. And I, I genuinely felt like they missed the trick. And I ended up saying that in the end. I can go on. I, can, I think I can say that. Well, I've said it now anyway, haven't I? Um, but I, I genuinely felt like they missed the trick because there were so many people who who were only aware of the start after the start had happened, if that makes sense to so people. Yeah. And that was asked about face to me. And that's what I was kind of pointing out. We need to, you know, this this needed to be a story before, not after. Because if the story happened before, then we would have had more people here. So, 100% agree. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's just, yeah, there would be my points. 
Um, you yeah. know, we've got to take the sport to the people. They're not going to come to us. Um, but that's the same with any sport. You know, that's why a lot of these sports are in the middle of town these days. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Rich, listen, I could talk to you all day, mate, and to be fair, most of the time we normally do, but I realise now this yeah, is... Yeah, I mean, I, I part... can't put the world to rights for too no, long. No, 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 absolutely not. Well, there's got to be a part two, hasn't it, at some point, but there yeah, you go. Yeah, exactly. Rich, listen, best of luck for the rest of the season, as ever. Uh, thank you for your time. Best of luck with Little Man as well, and best to Anna. And, uh, folks, we'll be back same time, same place, in your podcast hall next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Keel the Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.